On 11-16 SEM, the Four Diegos. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diegos here on 11-16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this Wednesday night. Thanks to Finey on another fantastic show. And of course, Finey will be back tomorrow at 7pm. Uh, and of course, Milne and Zanners, uh, always good to listen to those boys just before we come on. Um, safe trip home, boys. Big, big show for you tonight. We've got Mike McGrath coming up a little bit later on. Uh, and we've got Warren's rant very, very soon. We've got the Q&A, Vinny's Venezuela's Gee, I love this game segment. We've got a whole lot of stuff going on. Vinny, welcome. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. And can I just confirm that that noise people heard <laughs> isn't what they thought it was. What was it, Vinny? It was just like a creaky microphone. Right, right. Anyway. Um, That's all it was. Welcome to the show and uh, presence felt already. Uh, Warren. Yeah, um, oh. I'm a bit concerned mm-hmm. and I don't actually know whether this exists within SEN, but I'd like to report Finey to some workplace <laughs> bullying tribunal because <laughs> he's, he's still here actually. Oh no, he'll come back in, but we know he's a West Ham fan. And he's and, wearing um, it proudly, I've got to say. I've walked into the studio, I've watched the game twice mm-hmm. for a start. And I've walked in, and there are a multiple number of television screens <laughs> at the moment on, and they're all showing the extra time component of the Liverpool West Ham. There's a tribunal. I have to report him. It's, this is workplace bullying. Yeah, not sure who the mediator would be, but it's one all, just in case you are. And so. apparently on another station on Embarrassing Bodies, they've yes. got an appendectomy happening. <laughs> apparently it's Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> now, that's my kind of show, Vinny Venezuela. Carlos, you're in as well. How are you there, uh, uh, everyone? Now, Warren... Yeah. This might be a bit of a surprise for you, but one of the TVs will have a different scoreline. <laughs> <laughs> so there's five in here. I think one of them will have a different scoreline. So you might get a different uh, different result mm. of the game. But how is everyone, guys? It's uh, been a big week. A lot of talk about all sorts of stuff. Already yeah. getting tweets saying, please don't talk about the yeah. flares. The issue that shall not be named. Yeah, yeah exactly but no, right. no, look, we, we, won't spend a lot of, we won't spend a lot of time. Right out of the top. Right at the top because um, I think it's uh, very important to touch. But we'll definitely get on to the games. We've got the derby coming up, of course. But uh, tonight's show is brought to you by FFV uh, Community and Business. And this is a, an initiative that... Uh, the uh, FFE undertook at the, at the end of last year. They had a fantastic launch uh, in November. 130 people turned up. Some of the who's who in the uh, soccer um, world was there. Um, but now they're expecting 400 people, including uh, some of the Four Diego's uh, boys. So very nice to get an invitation from, from um, the team. The first official function for the year is on Friday, March the 4th. Now, Community and Business is a football business network that brings together key groups in football, whether it's um, in, in Victoria, of course, football clubs, sponsors, businesses, media, and all levels of government. Getting together, talk about the yeah. game. Actually, Tony Pinya. Think Pena, tanks. Think tanks. Yep. Think tanks on how to keep money in the game and make sure that we're, you know, making sure that the grassroots and the, the participation the kid, the that's, there, looked after. that's looked after and we've got something vibrant uh, in the Victorian football community. 
actually, the Sydney FC CEO, Tony Pinata, who's a Victorian, <laughs> yep. um, is going to be uh, on the panel of experts. Uh, he'll be attending. So it'll be very interesting to uh, maybe ask him a couple of questions about Del Piero and all that sort of stuff. So if you're interested in the luncheon, it's on at the International in Brighton from 12 to 3.15 on Friday, March the 4th. All you need to do is go online at communityandbusiness.com.au or uh, contact Anthony Grimmer or Grimer, as some people say, at FFV. That's agrimmer at ffv.org.au or check them out on Twitter because uh, they're very busy on Twitter at FFVCIB. That's uh, Community and Business with thanks to the FFV. Boys, um, we normally throw to a hot topic now. Yeah. But uh, we're going to go to Warren's rant. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Okay, this has been done to death, but this is the Diego's or Warren Diego's take on the events of the last week. I'd be surprised if any of the flare-throwing Western Sydney Wanderers fans are actually listening to us tonight because we only have real football-loving people listen to our show. So they'd be in bed, fast asleep, without a conscience for their behaviour. And I'm not going to be one that ever, ever actually supports group punishment. But in the spirit of these people who threw these flares not being prepared to out themselves, I think the only option that we have at our disposal is to out the club until such a time that these fans come forward and admit what they've done. Now, I don't actually think that it's fair on players who are giving of themselves every week for the best interest of their fans and all the enjoyment. But in lieu of these fans not being prepared to come forward and admit some fault and take some responsibility because, oh, what it was a month and a half ago when fans were being outed unfairly, and I agreed with that, now they're not prepared to out themselves. So I'm sorry for the likes of Brenton Santalab. I'm sorry for Western Sydney Wanderers players and clubs club officials. But until your fans are prepared to out themselves, we have to look at group punishment. And so be it. If group punishment is taking points off the team, if it's making them play without fans in the stadium, it has to happen because we've reached a tipping point where this is not un- where this is not acceptable anymore, and that's my take. There you go. Now it's time for the Q and A with Rodrigo Rodriguez, of course. <laughs> yes, well done, Warren. We thought we'd uh, get you right off the bat then, opening the batting tonight because you like to. You, you, you know, it was an interesting rant. We've heard a lot about this over the last couple of days and. And most people are making uh, very, very good points about uh, where this should go. Of course, we're talking about the flares, the detonators, the intimidation, all of that um, when Western Sydney Wanderers came, <laughs> came to visit uh, Melbourne Victory. And it was, uh, it was awful to see. But, uh, boys, on this topic, I might just get very quickly your take on it and then we'll move on, I yep. think. I'd like to move on very quickly to the derby. To, and we also want to talk about uh, the cashed-up Chinese as well. <laughs> Finny. Throw to you. Look, I'll just say this. I think it's all. I think that that behaviour is overrated. That negative behaviour hurts a game. I'm not interested in it. I don't go. I don't go to games to listen to fans. I'm glad if fans get in into a game. I go for the the sport happening on the field. I don't care about the chanting, and I certainly don't care about people who are going to uh, hide behind the chanting to do stuff that is just uh, unruly, destructive to the game, and you know, just indecent. What about you, uh, Carlos? Uh, Warren's had his say. Yeah, well, I, I think that uh, 
it's funny, guys, because we've been uh, obviously doing the show for about 23, 24 years, and uh, we went through the old NSL, and I went through the State League before that. And so, you know, we've uh, we've seen incidences over the years that uh, have really been big, big stories in the media. And what I feel since the weekend, for the first time in my whole football life, I feel is a real resolve by everyone to sort this out. And heaven help, heaven help any active supporter out there who wants to start dropping flares and detonators because everyone is ready to really uh, identify these people and go to town on it. It was very, very heartening to see a story today or tonight about the New South Wales government. Uh, They're talking about imposing a two-year, maximum two-year jail penalty to anyone who lights flares uh, anywhere because it's illegal, uh, especially at a sporting event like football. And... um, and also, they're talking about you know five to ten thousand dollar fines. That's just part of the solution. We've also got to make sure that we're a bit tighter as far as the uh, you know the flares coming in and people bringing in flares. I, I don't know how they're getting nineteen flares and detonators. Really, Fenikum, <laughs> what's happening? Gatekeepers, please. You know, you know, are we just sort of saying hello, shaking their hand, let them walk in? Uh, are we carrying the detonators in for them? Or what's, the, what's the going guy on? walking with the stiff leg hasn't got a broken leg. <laughs> That's right, and he's not that lucky. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I just I, I think that there's a real resolve now, guys. It seems like there's a multifaceted approach, and uh, you know I almost want to dare the idiots out there to try no, it no, again. Don't, don't. No, I won't dare them. No, don't. But uh, but really, you're not a brain surgeon if you if you're trying, especially this weekend, Melbourne City, Melbourne victory. If you're planning to do it, you're the dumbest guy on earth. Absolutely. I was just going to say I think language is important to this, and I think we really need to change this language around an active supporter group. I mean, I think it almost gives them a sense of a, a right of entitlement. To me, every person that goes along every weekend and pays their money is an active supporter. Just because you're in a certain part of the ground and you've come up with certain chants and whatever, every member of Melbourne Victory is an equal member. There's not, there's not active supporters. Everyone goes. I mean, it's almost this license that if you're an active supporter, you've got a right to swear to chant unreasonably, to do a whole range of different things that is essentially antisocial, you've got no more right. And I don't know, I don't know, to be honest with you, whether the term active supporter is used for other teams with other groups of supporters. Everyone who goes to the game is an active supporter. Absolutely. Look, uh, I mean, I, I, I love the atmosphere that, you know, these active supporters bring. I do. It is fantastic to listen to, you know, whether they're in, you know, whether they're interested in the game or not. You know, I think they are. I think most supporter groups are. You know, they they move with the peaks and troughs of the game. You can when Melbourne Victory score a goal. You know, the yeah. the the wonderful you know um, musical. Yeah, you know, it's very musical that chant. You know, um, it's just sensational. But uh, having said that, we're going to talk about this for a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, we've got Michael from Hoppers Crossing who's called in on nine four two nine. 1116 is a Western Sydney Wanderers member. G'day, Michael. Welcome to the Diego's. Hey, guys. How you doing? Yeah, very well. Um, first and foremost, as a member, I think the RBB are one of the most self-indulgent groups of people that there are in the game. Um, and I think that it would be right if the active support was removed until we can find who they are because we don't want to see... 
Okay, we've just we lost uh, we've just lost uh, Michael there, but uh, yeah, I'd love to get him back on. No, the voice no, of no, reason. No, no, we get the sentiment there. Yeah, I think absolutely. there's some. It's, that's what I'm talking about. This resolve by everyone. They're just sick and tired of it. Not tolerating it. Mm. Uh, the CEO of the West Indy Wanderers, uh, John, John, John. Seamus, yep. uh, came out on Francis's uh, and Lox's show uh, early this week, and, and and I was really impressed by him talking about these guys aren't. You know, these guys aren't our supporters. These guys don't love the game. They're just there. They harm the game. And uh, we're going to search them out and find them and punish them. And uh, and it's coming from everywhere. And I know that there's been victory fans really sick and tired of some of the behaviour of uh, of active fans, some of the active fans at victory. I know the same thing at Melbourne City. I know the same thing at Sydney. So there are fans now standing up and saying, we're not going to have our game hijacked by this handful of uh, anti-social, anti-authoritarian, uh, I call them thugs, because mm. that's all that they're there for, and vandals. Let's just quickly go back to Michael from Hoppers Crossing. G'day, Michael. Welcome back. Oh, guys, sorry. sorry. Yeah, I, I don't want to see the club get punished as such, and I also don't want to see the possibility, being how tight it is at the top of the table, of another club winning the championship because we've been docked points. Well, Michael, I think you've touched on the hot topic tonight because yeah. uh, we'll put it out there and it'll be a thread going through the show. Should the team or the players be penalised for the behaviour of some unruly fans? Yeah. 94, uh, and we're talking about docking points here, yeah, absolutely. which is very, very serious. I yeah. mean, the, the way these players prepare and, I mean, losing three points because of something like that when they've worked so hard to get them, especially when the, the, you know, the, the top six are so tight at the yeah, moment, yeah. Uh, that's, that's really, really important. But uh, I'd like to throw it out there. Uh, you know, I, I, it's one of those ones that I'm just not sure about. I know it's a, it's a solution that they implement overseas at different, in different countries. They've done it over the years, uh, you know, played games behind closed doors, which affects the financial takings of, of clubs, and also docked teams' points for behaviour of fans. Uh, you know, I... I, I just don't know whether it's the right way to go. When I heard Brendan Sandlab today talking about it, he I thought what you know he was talking about the fact that some of the uh, you know why should the players be penalised for some idiots who don't even love the game, who don't even love the club? Why would why should we be penalised for that? And I almost you know almost sympathise with him about mm. that. So look, it's a blunt instrument, but if. The critical mass of poor behaviour is such that it's difficult to identify who they are within a mass and you are looking to out the people that are doing the wrong thing. Sometimes you have to resort to things that are seemingly unfair initially for the greater good. Now, if there are alternatives to points, I think that should be the last possible, you know, environment. But... You know, whether it be points or whether it be banning fans from going to a game or a certain group of fans, and how would you do with a certain group of fans? It's got to be all or nothing. Outside of that, finding the club is not going to work. There's a range of different things. So I actually think that it might have to happen even though it is essentially unfair. All right, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. obviously it's a hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie in Avondale Heights uh, wants to have a chat about security at this week's game. G'day at the uh, Derby at Amy Park. G'day Eddie, welcome yeah. to the show. G'day guys. Yeah, sorry, it's not actually for this week's game. I was just looking at the right. fixture. It's in about four weeks' time. I see that um, Wanderers are playing victory again at Amy Park on a Friday night. I just want to know, do you think they're going to let the supporters of Western Sydney in that game? Or do you think it's going to be sort of looked at very carefully and differently the way it's going to be handled in a month's time. 
Look, I've heard they're going to have the sprinklers pointing in the, <laughs> in the away fans' corner just for the whole game. Eddie, I would be surprised if there's not a lift in every area of uh, of crowd control, if you like. You know, them entering the stadium, them coming off planes and driving. I mean, it, it, even that during the day in the city when they're we're in when they're in town, I think there'll be even a heightened uh, scrutiny, but in a way that's probably more measured and more strategic. I think some of the – and look, I know the fans out there have got stories about, you know, how police have probably been a bit heavy-handed with them, but I sort of understand the police's uh, frustration, uh, but they've probably felt that there hasn't been a full, comprehensive, multifaceted approach to this. I think there will be now. I mean, they're even talking about, uh, you know, if you're going to buy a flare in, in the state of Victoria, that you have to, you know, provide you know your, your identity you've got to show a boat license i mean all this sort of stuff they're actually going all the way to this to the source carlos will we ever get to a point where people just uh, tow their boats to the <laughs> underground park and get any head to show the show it's legitimate gonna, yeah, absolutely so i just think uh yeah look I, I don't know what the plan is eddie but i, I my gut feeling is that uh, everything's going to be heightened and we've just got a cop it sweet i have all goodwill's gone all the goodwill has gone, unfortunately. Look, Diesel George, thanks say, for your call there, Eddie. Diesel George on the text messages said, uh, guys, I think it's a great day for soccer in Australia. The game is at an intersection and will take a turn for the better as a yeah, result of those I agree. hooligans. I agree. So it's a good way to look at it. Let's go to Ben in St Kilda. G'day, Ben. Yeah, g'day, gentlemen. Um, geez, this has gone mad now, this whole issue. You think? Finally, it's culminated in something where there's going to be a result one way or the other. Um, I wanted to ask the Diego's, because it really needs wisdom for the answer. <laughs> yes. So far, so good, Ben. Yeah. Are we trying to outlaw and ban flares entirely and and try to say that no one in Australia or any game will ever have flares? Because it seems that there's several thousand people that have been supporting the A-League since day one, and these guys have bought a certain element. We want the violence got rid of, that's true. The flares in the crowd are dangerous, but we're not going to satisfy these guys even if we say they're banned or we're going to give you a fine. So can we appease them and satisfy them somehow without deducting points? And the way we do that is with a Melbourne Fire Brigade official, a designated fire marshal that's in a cordoned-off area at each ground, and when a goal is scored, he, and only he, strikes the flare. Will that appease the mad flare bringers and the guys that are bringing these bombs to the game. Ben, no, ben really, so. really, really good thinking because you're taking the responsibility out of the hands of, the, of these vandals and giving it to a professional. But the problem is, well, I suppose if a professional is letting it off, it's not illegal. But you can't have flares at a game and having fans because it's illegal in, in this country to do that. So, you know, it, you can have a whole set of pyrotechnics Every time a, a you know, I think don't Central Coast Mariners have a have a some sort of a gun or something that some sort of a I don't know um, a, a cannon. They've got a cannon every time. So, but that's done by professionals, mm. and there's nothing wrong with that, Ben. But I I got a feeling that these guys. It's not about the flair. If they don't let it off and be antisocial and be vandals, it's not good enough for them. So I don't think they'd be satisfied with having a professional doing it in some part of the ground. 
Because it's not about the actual flair. It's about them. It, it's just, about transgression. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's about them making sure that they're anti-authority, tell the world that they're here, and, that, and as, as people say, they're destructive individuals. I don't see flares, flares as an integral part of the game. And as no, such, I wouldn't be prepared. But can I say... We want active supporters like the brass band at Central Coast Mariners. Now that's active supporters, Carlos. <laughs> I mean, that's in, that's, your that's what we yeah. want. You I, know, can I brass just, bands. Warren, can I just say I feel that uh, some of those guys have defected to the Wanderers because I'm sure I've I've heard brass in 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 some of the Wanderers uh, background. Oh. And, and by the games, way, to be fair, the Wanderers their home games have been. Pr- pr- Almost relatively free of yep. flares because they've not actually really controlled that, and it's still a wonderful. I mean, when you get the sense of how the atmosphere through the TV when you're mm. watching on TV, you know it must be unbelievable. There, well, it was a great atmosphere. The Melbourne yeah. City Wanderers game the week before didn't yeah. seem to have any of the yeah. of the issues. Let's go to Marcus uh, Rodriguez McGregor from South Melbourne. G'day, Marcus. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, very well. Rodriguez would like to remind you that Newton Schoolboys and Boca and River Plate, that's real crowd violence. Yes. I'm sorry. But um, on a more serious note, you do remember that a great club like Chelsea, who I support, went down to second division in, when was that, 79 or 80? When the crowd were running amok. Yes. They got back up, I think, 84. And we're back down again in 88 And it wasn't until they had a complete clean out And all the flares and all the skinheads And everyone were, were cleaned out That Chelsea actually got back to being the club it was You know, the fans have got to realise That even, be, well, I think a similar thing happened to Manchester United Around the same time, did it not? I well, I, so. Manchester United certainly got relegated But I'm not sure because it was fan behaviour But I, just on that point there, Marcus I actually was... My first trip to London where I saw a game of football was in the mid-80s. And I went to see West Ham. I've got to say, from the time I left the Tube to the time I walked to the Boland Ground, which is Upton Park in those days, it was scary. Every, every corner had a pub and people were just, uh, really scary. You could just see the tension between groups. And I don't think they had the same system in those days where, where uh, you know, police greeted the away team at the, tr- at the Tube and walked with them you know, away fans and walk with them to the ground. Now, I mean, you know, over the years I've been many times and that's improved out of sight. In fact, it's such a family friend. I mean, this is, we're talking about West Ham here. Mm. They had one of the notorious, most notorious uh, uh, groups, uh, fan hooligans that would just wreak havoc everywhere with Millwall and anyone in London. And uh, and now it's, I find it really safe and I really, and everyone accepts it. You know, even with the big police presence at these games in, in London, they all accept it because they all know they're there for a reason. Absolutely. Thanks, Marcus. Really appreciate your call. Uh, before we go to a break, let's go to Bruce in Chelsea. G'day, Bruce. Hi, good day, guys. How you going? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to raise a couple of points just about the whole issue with flares. Um, I'm pretty much only a casual sort of soccer fan, but uh, I'd be pretty reluctant to actually go to a game just based on a lot of the stuff that you see. But um, I, I don't know, I just get the impression that the people actually going, letting off flares and everything else are more interested in doing that than actually supporting their club and <laughs> all of those sorts of things. But... Um, the other point I wanted to raise was when, when you go through airport security, you've always got the people there doing the testing for chemicals, for bombs and everything else. Could they not do the same thing at the football? 
um, to test for particular chemicals in the players. Yeah, it's really interesting, one, the testing. I mean, I'm not sure, well, they said that it was due to the iconic nature of the MCG that they put out put up the exterior perimeter fence at the MCG for the cricket over the summer, which means you really need to go through two types of security and it was far more detailed, yet that hasn't been applied at Amy Park or at Etihad Stadium. And I'm I'm reasonably certain that there needs to be some sort of more diligent inspection because apparently they're they're putting flares in in uh, soft drink containers and they're 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 quite sophisticated in the way that they're actually hiding this. Now I'm not saying I'm not sure what a bag check needs to be like, but we've all gone through those at different grounds. And some of them you would say are rigorous and others you would say are flimsy. Now, there needs to be more effort, mm. I think, in terms of the way that's done. And if you need to go to an MCG-style you know, perimeter fence before you get into the ground and show your ticket, if that's what it needs to take, so be it. Can I just say, I was in Brazil when uh, Carlos experienced some full body searches and they were very rigorous and he wasn't <laughs> going to hide anything. And, no. and, and there is the ability to, to stop. We also things. experienced Carlos taking the PA system from the crowd <laughs> controller in Brazil too and yes. running amok himself. Yes, absolutely. That was yeah. pretty funny. Anyway, let's take a break now. Uh, on tonight, uh, tonight's show is brought to you by Football Federation Victoria's Community and Business Initiative. Make sure you get to their luncheon on Friday, the 4th of March at the International in Brighton. Check them out on Twitter, ffv.com. FFVCIB. That's at FFVCIB. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Socceroo defender Kevin Musket is so mean, his mother keeps a photo on the mantelpiece to stop the kids going too near the fire. This has been a Socceroo update by the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. It is the Four Diego's. And uh, before we get into the uh, derby, which we're going to talk about, and by the way, thanks for your text messages and your calls. Um, we want to talk about the football now. But uh, before we do that, um, there's a couple of uh, community service announcements I'd like to just quickly get through. But uh, the Joey Lynch, uh, people have been, uh, we've been raising uh, a lot of money to uh, make sure that Joey Lynch uh, can get some much needed treatment over there in the US. He needs 800 grand. Um, he's got Hodgkin's lymphoma and there's a score a goal for Joey fundraiser happening on Monday the 15th of February at Stars International Receptions in Bell Street, Preston. So if you want to go, tickets are $90 ahead. There's uh, guests and some interesting auctions. It's all you can eat for 90 bucks. Apparently Tara Rushton's actually uh, just about hosting to say that. Yeah. Well, Tara Rushton and George Denikian. Of course. Um, well, and good on you, George. Diego's? No. Enjoy that. Uh, they're hosting the uh, Joey Lynch fundraiser and um, it's, of course it's to help raise money for Michael Lynch, Mick Lynch's mm. son. Uh, Joey Mick was a, is a good friend of the Diego's and was uh, was a regular on the Diego's many many years ago. If you're interested in going there, make sure you um, check Michael Lynch at um, on Twitter at Mike Mick Lynch underscore age. That's at Mick Lynch underscore age or Mick Lynch at fairfaxmedia.com.au. Uh, well worth going there um, and uh, have some fun while making some donations. There's also another interesting uh, thing that the Essendon Royal so Soccer Club, uh, they're looking to raise money for Mitochondrial Disease Foundation, which is a really insidious disease for young, um, for children. And um, they're holding a charity event on Sunday, the 21st of February, between 10am and 6pm at Ormond Park. That's on uh, the corner of Ormond Road and Patterson Street, Mooney Ponds, with the Essendon Royal Soccer Club to raise money for... Um, 
the grandson of a life member and former player, Coach President Serge Turkovic, who was diagnosed with the disease. Now, the family has got a long history with the club, and the club's just trying to get behind uh, the family and trying to raise money uh, for young Luca, who... Uh, who uh, his parents uh, at on his first birthday told uh, guests to don't give don't give us presents uh, just make sure you you send some uh, money to the mitochondrial disease foundation so you can contact Adam Maltese on 0412 uh and he'll take a call and uh, it should be a good day if you if you have ever been part of Essendon Royal Soccer Club Vinny Rodrigo, can I just say the Royals are a great club, and I'm 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 down as one of their most unsuccessful junior coaches, <laughs> uh, and they still had me there, and and uh, great great group of people, lots lots of families, lots of girls playing football, lots of boys playing football. It's a big club, and uh, if you've had anything to do with the Royals, get down there. Check them out on Facebook.com. Essen and Royals Past Present Players Unite. There you go. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get on to it's Derby time. Derby time is happening. Yep, but uh, yep. No, um, we've also we'll do that a bit later, Carlos. Oh, okay, I just sorry, uh, yeah. want to yep. get into uh, into this was community corner, but yeah. uh, just wanted to get into the, the football now of because uh, Bob in Baldwin, we're going to get to you in a second. But it is, it's almost got lost. Yeah, it, it is the victory, Melbourne. It is the derby, Melbourne victory take on uh, um, Melbourne City, of course, Warren. And you'd like to talk about that? Yeah, no, I was going to say it's the biggest game in derby history. I mean, I know. They play three times a week, and as such, you you, you stop <laughs> counting. It doesn't be. It's like not Derby number twenty-five because that sounds ridiculous. But look, without any doubt, absolutely without question, this is the biggest game ever. Because I think whoever loses can't win the flag. I don't the think flag. they. Well, they can't win the. They <laughs> the can't plate. win the plate, yes. or they can't win the bowl. They can't win the premier's plate or the toilet bowl yep. if they don't win. I mean, top toilet two seat. toilet seat. Top two is absolutely important. Whoever loses will be probably nine points behind and it's just a big game. And John Van Skip, I think he's got a lot he's got a lot riding on this. Melbourne City have made a lot of changes through this transfer window that you could say on the face of it hasn't been successful. It's sort of maybe mucked up the the continuity in the team defensively and maybe through the middle of the park with Stefan Mork going back to Adelaide and, you know, the changes that they've made. So I think it's a real test. They've been. They were pathetic, insipid against Newcastle. They were second to the ball, didn't want it as much. Were lucky and flattered by the result, and they need to respond. Melbourne victory were really played off the park against Western Sydney Wanderers, and were lucky to get the result. So two teams under pressure, high stakes. It's going to be a great game. Looking forward to this game for a whole lot of reasons. Let's go to Bob in Baldwin. G'day, Bob. Yeah, g'day, lads. Great, uh, great show as usual. Um, I want to congratulate the conglomeration down there at um, Melbourne Victory. Uh, magnificent sponsorship there today, uh, Greenwood Capital. The jumpers look superb. Another thing I want to, before I congratulate the bloke who um, obviously turned the lights on in Asia, how soon do you think there'll be, how soon and how quickly it will be for an Asian player playing for Victory? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I believe I... There was an article this afternoon talking about Victory not uh, uh, picking up an Asian player for the Asian Champions League, which I thought was very interesting. I thought they might have gone down that track just to bolster uh, the squads for that uh, tournament. Uh, Look, I think you'll see with the Australians going over to China now, they're playing in Malaysia. Uh, there's, you know, they've come and gone from Japan. There's a few of them in Korea. I just think in Indonesia. I mean, we've had players playing in India. I just think it's just going to be a no-brainer at some stage. Us having a lot more of the Asians from all the different countries coming to play here. There's some great footballs. We saw it in the Asian Cup, 
and there's you know the only thing that's stopping stopping players from coming here is they're probably not paying as much as what they would be in some of those uh, Asian countries. So Bob, yeah, it's not not far away for as far as I'm concerned. Given uh, the money in in, in uh, the Chinese Super League. There's not going to be any Chinese players to come here because they're not being developed. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. In fact, they're talking about the they're talking about the fact that you know there's a lot of money to a, a very few players. So we, we've seen the big money signings and the sort of money. I mean, uh, what did they spend uh, during the transfer window? They spent up to twenty million more. Uh, pounds or euros more than what the English Premier League spent, and that was a. I think they spent a billion. Yeah. In in the Premier League. Yeah. I and mean, pe- I th- people are asking right now why why is China suddenly come to the fore? Well, this has been happening for a while slowly, but just more recently, the Chinese government has come out very strongly and said, in the next twenty four years, we want to host a World Cup and win a World Cup. But they're also smart enough to know that none of their structure from the grassroots up is right. At the moment, so they're throwing up to eight billion, I don't know euros or pounds. I'm not sure what it is. Eight billion at the game over the next, you know, ten to fifteen years to to really get it going. Which means that they need to get a lot of foreigners in to play. They'll need to get foreign coaches if they're not already there. They need to get uh, uh, people who are qualified and experienced at uh, youth development. So there's talk about them having. Uh, partnerships with the Australian A-League academies, for example. So I just think they're reaching out everywhere to try and fast-track as much as possible their development. And can I just say, Carlos, if you're a kid out there who likes his world football or sh- and, and also is half good at languages, learn Chinese because I'm telling you now, there are careers and opportunities mm. there for people who are, can, can be in that transitional stage. You know, China needs people from the West as much as we need China to, to invest in our place. So there are careers there for your kids. Absolutely. Interesting to take mm. that video in as well. Let's go to Paula in Armadale. Good day, Paula. Good evening. How are you? Very well and welcome to the show. Thank you. I just want to remind you all that um, Surat Suka from Thailand yes. played for Melbourne Victory. So Absol- he's Asian. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, but the actual, um, there was talk about, uh, with, with, with due respect to Suka, uh, he's not what you call uh, you know, one of those star players from Asia. He was a very, very honest player that came. I mean, even uh, um, the boy from Singapore that played for Melbourne City, the name escapes me, but he played there in the second half of last season. I mean, there's some really good professional footballers from Asia, but I suppose we're talking about the big names, the, the really big names that might be playing in Japan uh, that would come over. Shinji Ono was Yes, a... Shinji Ono, that, that level. Uh, or, so you're absolutely right, Paula, but it, it's, I suppose we're looking at the bigger names when we're talking about those, those Asian stars coming to Australia. Thanks for your call there, Paula. Uh, hey, boys, we need to take a break because uh, we've got Mike McGrath coming up very, very soon on the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Don't you dare touch me! Stand back! No! No! Why can't the Four Diego's coach the Australian women's soccer team? Trust us. We're the Four Diego's. And coming up after Diego's, it's All Night Appetite with Darren Park. And tonight's show brought to you by FFV Community and Business. Uh, if you're a football club and you want to entertain your sponsors, it's a fantastic thing to do. Get to the launch, the luncheon rather, on Friday, March the 4th at the International in Brighton. Check them out on Twitter at FFVCIB. Anthony Grimer, Grimer at uh, ffv.org.au. Hey, before we move on to Mike McGrath, um, 
Hi, Diego. So I thought I'd bring some levity to tonight's show. Could you please give a shout-out to Ivanhoe City Saints Soccer Club? Of course. We're in our second season, and pre-season training starts next Wednesday at Chelmsworth Park in Ivanhoe East. East, we're calling out for junior players of all abilities, coaches, and more importantly, sponsors. Not more importantly. <laughs> importantly, local sponsors to help out uh, with the purchase of kits and equipment. Ivanhoe City Saints at Hotmail.com or see the Facebook page, uh, Go City, and thanks for your support. Ole, well done. Rodrigo, yeah, I could coach, but uh, it would hurt the club. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of kids, though, because it is start of pre-season, the amount of kids floating around yep. my area playing or training for soccer, which I think... My daughter's been training since December. I think it's a little bit extreme in terms of the length of the preseason, but they love it. The kids love it. Loving the local flavour of uh, Victorian football. FFV, Ivanhoe City Saints, Essendon Royals. Point Cook. Not that I just, I just chucked that oh, in that's for the fine, sake of it. That's fine, but it's all happening. Uh, hey, uh, let's go, well, talking about going from local to international, let's go to Mike McGrath from the Sun in the UK. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yes, uh, the sun.co.uk. That's your website. And just type in Mike McGrath. So chief of it. football. Don't you type Ch- in chief, <laughs> chief football, football writer? writer? Yep. Is that what you type in? Yep. Um, or do you just type in Mike McGrath? I think Mike McGrath would probably just get uh, the, uh, okay. <laughs> What about Kahuna? <laughs> <laughs> chief football writer, Mike, I'm going to type in. So what I get. Uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> hey, Mike, you've got the full compliment here, of course, as you've heard. Have you bought a, a Leicester um, jersey yet? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I've bought into, I bought into them, definitely. I'm, I'm, I, I think last... Saturday, I was there at, at the at the Etihad, and it was the one. It was the time when I think everybody started believing. Even even after the Liverpool game, we're thinking right, the big chess is against City. They were brilliant, and I think everybody's just kind of bought into them. <clears throat> everybody's rooting uh, for them to to kind of finish the job now. So it's it's a fantastic story. It's going to be, you know, if they do pull it off, it'll be one of the great all time underdog. Um, sporting achievement so it would be absolutely amazing if they could. Mike, it's Carlos Uh, there's a different set of pressure for them now isn't there? Before they were under the radar, no one really, everyone loved them and everyone wanted the best for them but now they're favourites so that's a different set of pressure in the the change room isn't it? Yeah, I mean Liverpool kind of felt that three years ago I think the whole, right, they got within sight of it and the whole country was willing them to you know, apart from Matt New fans and maybe a few Everton fans were saying, apart from apart from them, everybody else just willing them to to do it. It's such a great story, and Suarez is playing so well. And then I think the pressure did tell. It's really different to be to lead the pack um, and to that. That's why I think United were so good at it when you know back when they were fantastic at winning the, their titles. They just kind of got to this stage of the season. And they knew what it took to win. Um, they had players around the changing rooms uh, that could, that just could keep everybody in check and just say, right, this is what we have to do. Um, and, and they got over the line so many times. Leicester don't have that, but maybe they can just kind of live off being a fearless team like they have for the uh, for most of the season so far. Yeah, Mike, I haven't looked at Leicester's last 14 games or so, but I mean, you often talked about that Liverpool season. Everyone talks about the, you know, the Stevie G trip, but it was more, you know, but not being able to defend a lead against Crystal Palace in the games before that really cost mm-hmm. Liverpool. And I'm sort of thinking that Leicester are going to come up against teams that they would have expected to be around on the ladder that are now fighting for relegation and they'll be favourites. 
but we all know that what those games are like in the last half of, you know, the last 10 games of the season where teams are fighting and scrapping for every point. And they're sometimes the most difficult games, the ones against those teams, as Liverpool, you know, found in that Crystal Palace game and a couple of other games late in that season where they made a run at the title. Yeah, I mean, that that's absolutely right. But, you know, they, they've, got a, they've got a pretty tough last few games uh, Leicester, United away, Everton at home and Chelsea away, um, where they could, you know, Ranieri could go back to Stamford Bridge and, and lift the trophy. That that would be an incredible end to the season. Uh, but you're right, teams like Sunderland, yeah, with the foe up front, um, Adam Johnson's been in court this morning and he's going to still play. And we, we, sometimes that kind of gets the best out of, um, of players and, and, you know, really motivates people. So I think it will be really, but I think obviously Leicester will have a lot to play for themselves uh, and they try and use the kind of spirit of last year, a year ago when they were relegation um, battlers themselves. So they've been in both both positions now. Um, and I just think there's just something a bit different about the way they're approaching this seat, uh, like these, these games coming up now that I, I just think that they might, they might just do it. Mike, uh, Vinny here. I wanted to ask you about Chelsea. I, I saw that uh, Gus Hiddink is being criticised in some circles because he's, he's sort of playing safe football. And uh, given that uh, I think Massimo Allegri has been linked with the, the, a position at the club, which he has denied, are there any other sort of uh, people in the mix that uh, they're talking about over there? Yeah, I think Hiddink... I mean, Hiddink hasn't... You know, you can talk about the style of football. To be honest, it's been so bad in terms of results. I don't think people are mind about the style of football at all. He's unbeaten as manager and they're really happy with him. But I do think that he'll work on his golf in the summer rather than working on pre-season. Um, and the signs are pointing towards Italy. So obviously you mentioned Allegri, but um, uh, Antonio Conte's name uh, crops up as well uh, as as somebody that Abramovich might like. He's an you know, Italy coach at the moment. Um, and uh, that, you know that that's what the signs are pointing towards um, Italy. But Allegri, I think there's been some quotes from his mentor saying that he's got the offer already, um, the, the Juve manager. So that probably looks most likely at this moment in time. Hey, Mike. Uh, geez, time flies when you're having fun. Where are you off to this weekend? <laughs> Oh, uh, sorry, I, I, I me off. Oh, I'm going to I'm going I'm going to Sunderland v Man U. We've got an absolutely amazing Sunday fi- fixtures. I'll, I'll, I'll obviously work for the Sunday edition, so um, I, I don't go to that. I go to the Saturday games, um, and the biggest one is uh, Sunderland v Man U. Um, but obviously, all our work is this week is gearing up towards Sunday, which is um, uh, Man City v Spurs. We'll have, and Leicester the Arsenal. Have fun, Mike, and uh, you live in the dream, cheers, and uh, yeah. we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, cheers. Yes, Marie, we wanted to get to Mike about uh, Jose Mourinho going to Manchester United. But, oh, just, um, off, just off the Twitter, <laughs> sorry. Just quick, hot, Twitter. Hot. Apparently he signed a contract at the London offices of his player agent as we speak. There you go. You heard it first from uh, Marie on the Diego's. Yes. Thanks for your... That's it for this week's show. Can't wait for the Derby. 7.30 on Saturday. So remember, Carlos. We were Puerto Rican girls. Hang out. We'll, we'll be there. there. Or have you Samba, Rumba and La Bamba. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. Remember the girls with thrill on their handballs with their feet. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever gringos play football. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the Four Diego. Olé. Olé. Olé.